Hi, I'm Adam Shepard. And I'm Rory Bathgate. And you're listening to the IT Pro Podcast. But before we get into this week's episode, I've got some news that I'd like to share. And that is that this will be my last episode of the podcast. As of next week, I'll be leaving IT Pro for Pastures New, but don't worry, I'll be leaving you in the capable hands of Rory, who'll be manning the helm after I'm gone. And he'll be joined by our erstwhile co-host Jane when she makes her triumphant return later this year. Thanks, Adam. You'll be greatly missed, but I know that you've got great things in store. And in the meantime, I'm excited to helm the podcast and look forward to the return of Jane. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be good to hear Jane back on the podcast uh, when she gets back later in the year. And I know that long-time listeners will uh, be happy to have Jane back as, as one of the co-hosts. Now on to the main event of this week's podcast. We are going to be looking at technology use in government. Governments around the world are incredibly reliant on technology, not just to increase their own operational efficiency in the same way that every organization is, but also as a vehicle for delivering digital platforms and services to their citizens. Making effective use of this technology can be a tough balancing act, but when done right, it can offer transformative results for both government employees and the general public. This week, we're joined by an IT leader who's been navigating the challenges of this task, Glyn Jones. Chief Digital Officer for the Welsh Government. Glenn, thanks for coming on the show. Borodar, my blessed Adam, I have you. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here this morning. It's a pleasure to have you. So, Glyn, what role does technology play in delivering services to the people of Wales? Yeah, so we have uh, set out our ambitions around using digital technology and digital services through our digital strategy for Wales, which was published back in March 2021 now. Um, We saw during the pandemic how using technology and digital had become basically critical to providing services to people in Wales. Um, So we wanted to capitalise on the momentum that we'd seen during the pandemic um, and set out uh, an ambition for really transforming how citizens received public services in Wales and to do that by the use of digital ways of working and and technology. Um, The digital strategy really sets out a vision for world-class public services to be delivered with the user at the centre of the design um, and to really try and give the public the experience from public services that they get from their online shopping, their online banking. It's a big ambition, you know, we've got a long way to go, um, but what we've been able to do since we set out that digital strategy is really build some momentum, build some excitement around what we're doing in Wales. Um, Under the strategy, we Uh, set up a new body called the Centre for Digital Public Services, who are given the task to be leaders um, to work with public authorities and central governments to understand digital and technology, to help them use digital and technology better in delivering those critical services to the people in Wales. So as part of this move, um, you've recently been involved in a project with uh, Microsoft, which allows organizations to use live human interpreters to translate between different languages during Teams meetings. Could you expand a bit more on that project and how it fits into the wider strategy? Yeah, so this is a re- really important project for us. Um, and our digital strategy, so, so Wales is a bilingual nation. Uh, about one in five mm. people speak Welsh. Um, in the last census, that was 560,000 people. And we've got uh, an ambitious strategy around the use of Welsh language. We want to double the use of Welsh language on a daily basis uh, by 2050. We also want to increase the number of Welsh speakers to a million by 2050. Uh, But we understand that as part of that, 
we need to make sure digital technology is supportive of those aims. As a bilingual nation, obviously, we want to be able to give people the opportunity to use Welsh wherever they want to. And that means in official business with government and also for our own staff to be able to work bilingually. Prior to the pandemic, we were all meeting face to face mostly. Uh, so you could deliver those bilingual meetings by having a physical translator or interpreter in the room and we'd all wear headsets uh, or th those people who couldn't speak Welsh would wear headsets to, to make sure they got a bilingual feed uh, into their ears. The pandemic hit, we all shifted to work from home, we all started using uh, on online uh, video uh, conferencing platforms um, and you know, the immediate question came, well, how do we make sure we continue to have bilingual ways of working? How do we make sure we allow citizens and our partners to engage with us in Welsh? Um, and how do we meet the statutory standards we have in Wales uh, whilst we're all working from home and working remotely? You know, and that, that ranges from you know, the internal meetings we would have within Welsh government to meetings we would have with our partners and our stakeholders to, to meetings our, our ministers would have with people. Um, and it's really important for us that we provide that provision for bilingual meetings because not only you know, do we need to do it, but it's the right thing to do because meetings will become far better and more productive if people are able to engage in a language of choice. Um, so when the pandemic hit, we were just going through the sort of transition as many people were, I think, into Teams. Teams became our sort of just day-to-day -day core business. Um, so mm. our chief technology officer at the time um, immediately said to Microsoft, right, Microsoft, how are we going to get on the roadmap for Teams that we can provide bilingual meetings? Uh, and you know, we, we've led this dialogue with Microsoft. Um, I, I understand that you know, we, we, we're the country that have been driving this the most. And it's really an example of where we as a country want to you know, support the global effort to provide bilingual services, working with those big companies to do so. Um, so Microsoft picked us up, understood the requirements through, through the regular dialogue between ourselves and our Welsh language technology uh, colleagues as well. Um, and um, started sh showing us some wireframes, prototypes, and it was all looking good. Uh, they involved us in the test circle at quite an early stage. So that was about Christmas last year. Uh, and through doing that, we were able to provide them with uh, people like me, who are Welsh speakers, um, translators, interpreters, other public sector bodies who could work with Microsoft to be part of the development journey and, and to help test the features uh, and, and to improve and iterate to make sure that by the time the product landed, um, it, it was it, you know, it was fit for purpose and it would meet the requirements we, we all have. Uh, and happy to say that you know, it's now in general availability. We've, we've just had it released to our, to our staff uh, in the past week or so. Uh, so really excited about how this functionality can help us have um, conduct our business bilingually, conduct business bilingually with partner organizations. You know, this is not just a thing for the public sector, private sector will also be able to use it. And it's also not just about the Welsh language. It's agnostic of language. It, it, it literally provides you with the opportunity to have you know, multiple audio feeds in Teams. Uh, and I understand from Microsoft that, could, that they can handle up to 16 languages in, in a particular meeting. Wow. I mean, this obviously unlocks a lot of potential for international business generally. Uh, in terms of the, the bilingual aspect, were there any other countries or territories that you took inspiration from in terms of their approach to leveraging technology to deliver bilingual services and experience. I mean, Canada is the uh, the obvious example that springs to my mind in terms of a country that operates 
bilingually by by default yes um, my uh, colleagues in the welsh language um uh, division within welsh government they, i think they've got quite a lot of good contacts across the world with those kind of countries particularly where where there are countries with minority languages um mm. so you, you're talking about areas such as the basque region and, and catalonia and so of on. course um, and you know what we hope to do through this is provide um you know in a sense provide a driver for microsoft to make a change which will impact on others and if they're doing the same as well then that's great my understanding is on this particular one we we were the we were the leaders we you know, microsoft told us we we were the ones pushing it but yeah if you if you look at um, how the EU Parliament go, runs, or the United Nations, and you see there that you know th those those proceedings happen regardless of what language people want to speak, and, and we just need to be able to get that same sense within Wales that regardless of what language you can speak, you can contribute to a meeting, uh, and you don't need to worry about the technology. And I, I just think this is a real game changer now. And actually, despite us being over the past two years found it difficult to retain the sort of everyday uh, use of welsh that, that within within a corporate environment you you miss the corridor conversation that you might have in welsh you, mm. you will certainly miss, have missed those formal meetings which won't have happened so frequently through welsh we'll actually come out of this with a, a set of technology which will actually be a game changer for us and the rest of the world in being able to you know, truly have bilingual meetings where you know, you may be the only Welsh speaker in the room, but you can contribute in Welsh, uh, and, and colleagues around the around the table will be able to understand what you're saying and and have that dialogue with you. So you're looking to break down these language barriers to the extent that, in the long term, when the, the system's working perfectly, you're barely thinking about the technology when when you're in the meeting itself. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, so this is, in, in a sense, providing um, what Teams, what the new functionality in Teams does now is provide you with uh, an audio stream. So if there's an interpreter in the room, um, if you're a non-Welsh speaker, you can you can choose the audio feed you want to listen to. So as soon as I start speaking Welsh, my audio will dip and you will hear the interpreter talking English. So that, that's fine and that's great, but that still re requires an interpreter in the room to do the manual translation. Uh, and that's a really important step. But I see it very much as a stepping stone. So we've been doing a lot of work with Bangor University and, and other people around developing the language sets and the training data to improve the you know, natural language processing and the artificial intelligence around this. So hmm. eventually you, you, you will hopefully be able to have um, speech to text translation. So the subtitles will appear in whatever language you want them to do. Um, and once you've got that, you can use the automated translation facility to, to translate to whatever whatever language you want, um, which which again will then hopefully, you know, it may not be the case for every meeting because for every for some formal meetings, you will certainly want that manual translation. But if it's hmm. just a meeting within the office, you know, some of that automated translation will certainly be good enough to help people. What we then need to do is get people to build the confidence in doing so. So as, mm. a, as a Welsh speaker, um, I know that if you're in a room with other English speakers, you've got to have that confidence that, no, I'm going to use Welsh and you are going to have to um, mm. you know, use whatever tools there are to, to, to you know, have that conversation with you. And I think there's a business change element to this. There's a communication and a cultural element to, to, to bilingual ways of working, which goes beyond the technology. And that's 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 in a sense our, our next step. Now that we have the technology, we really want to you know make those meetings as effective as possible. So, for example, even even before this is launched this week, on uh, on a Teams chat, we could uh, already translate from Welsh to English in, in text 
through through the automated Microsoft Translate. You know, mm. not many people are using that. People will still default to put in the Teams chat in English rather than Welsh. So how, how do we change the culture? How do we get people confident enough to be able to, you know, have bilingual meetings? How do we get the chair of a meeting to encourage that to happen? So it's very much as much of a behavioral and a cultural thing as it is technology. I was going to say, I was quite surprised, given Microsoft's heavy investment in AI, that this system is uh, leveraging human interpreters rather than AI translation software for for default. It seems like a kind of a, a natural comfort zone for Microsoft, particularly, to to go straight for AI rather than the the human element. Uh, so it's it's sort of not surprising that that's the the end goal, if you like, is to uh, incorporate AI elements alongside human uh, translators. Yeah, that's definitely be the case. And our, our requirement was for human uh, interpretation because um, you know, we know that's still a journey to go on artificial intelligence and getting it right. So um, mm. it's really important for us to make sure we have that human element to this right now. And that will certainly be the way most meetings happen for the for the short term um but yeah. yeah the long-term aim has to be to do that and of course a lot of that does depend on the um the training data and, and the maturity of the um the algorithms they have available now Absolutely. we've been working uh, i think i said with bang university on this they they have um they have released a, a transcriber to produce automatic subtitles for welsh videos so it is happening but we need to make sure the quality and, and so on is is right when we fund those kind of language technology developments another thing we're clear about is that we expect the resources and data to be released under open license so that means the training data can be shared with other companies and they can add welsh into their services so you know we're very keen that as in terms of public money when we're investing into this we're we're investing in open licenses we've been working with amazon uh, web services as well they've released recently a, a, a data set called massive in capital letters um which is a <laughs> natural language data set and you know we were really pleased that they engaged with us and actually Welsh is one of the 51 languages that they've used in that data set. So I think the more of those mm. training data sets we get out there, the more natural language material and resources there are out there openly, you know, the better this will get in the future. And it's as you said earlier, where with this public funding, with this open source goal always, the, the hope is that in the future it could, it could benefit multiple languages, multiple countries that are currently seeing this, this language barrier impacting on public and private services yeah absolutely uh, absolutely the more languages we use you know the more in- interoperable we and the more we can um, retain and promote those minority languages uh, that, that you know that to sustain those languages but not only just to sustain them as i said at the start in terms of the number of speakers but actually the language is used because a, you know, a language uh, that's thriving is a language that's living i think is is how we say i may have, i may have reflected our policy aim slightly wrong here but if you get my gist <laughs> a language has mm. to be living to be thriving uh, and you, know, you 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 want to be able to use the language and i'm sure many other countries are, are facing the same challenge of you know keeping the number of speakers but also making sure people have the ability to use them in a in a in a you know increasingly global world mm. so glenn looking at the the technology side of this what benefits have you seen from having this technology built directly into the Teams platform? 
for example, do you find that having it directly there has increased the effectiveness and the adoption of uh, teams and other digital services within your organizations? Yes. So, I mean, uh, as I said, it's just at general availability. So in terms of the usage, we will now be you know, putting out in, in terms of our organization guidance and material on how best to use it. But this is the important thing for us. So, you know, I, I, to, to, to be fair, Zoom, Zoom have had a facility over the past two years, and that's been really, really important for uh, many organizations and being able to deliver some bilingual meetings. But Zoom didn't meet all of our requirements. And part of that was because, you know, we are a Microsoft house. We have Microsoft embedded in our day-to-day -day work. So, mm all of our meetings in teams um, and therefore having it embedded into everyday everyday working is really important, particularly if that behavioral change thing I mentioned. If we're gonna add barriers for people to go off to another product to be able to facilitate bilingual meetings, then you know, those are gonna be barriers that mean it doesn't happen so well. And if you think about the wider wraparound feeling of a meeting, the invitation, the chat, that has to, you know, for me, it's looking at that as a as a whole sort of bilingual experience, uh, and that mm. can only be done for us and, and other public organisations by having it embedded in, into Teams. It obviously also then helps us interact with the other uses we all make of Teams around Teams channel and records management and, and so on. So having that really uh, embedded into our work, it, it is um, is crucial to allow it to be natural and the norm within an organization i think mm. so i'd imagine i'm not sure which way around this this is more likely to work but i would imagine that either having these services available in welsh or with welsh kind of support built in makes people more likely to use them or maybe it's the other way around that having having the welsh support makes people more likely to use welsh Maybe both. Yeah, so I, I think the the importance is you make it as frictionless as possible for somebody to use whatever language they want. So, mm. it, for example, if you're using a government website and you're and you're led into um, a, a an English website, you, it shouldn't be ten clicks then to try and find another a, a Welsh or or another language. It should be as seamless as possible. Ideally, you should be given that choice as soon as you land on a website. What language do you want to uh, interact with this service in? That's what happens in cash points in Wales. So if you go to a cash point in Wales, if whenever you are getting cash out these days, which I think is increasingly rare, <laughs> uh, you get the option of choosing English or Welsh first then you get so you don't have to physically make a change and, and as a welsh speaker you don't have to do anything extra to get the welsh and that that's what we want bilingual services to, to be like and if you make it as frictionless as possible you'll just encourage people to use them and people will have the confidence that there is a good uh, bilingual service here that i can feel confident that the welsh version is going to be right i'm not going to go five screens down and then just find an english version because it hasn't been translated or nobody's really thought of the end-to-end -end process uh, as a bilingual process um so yeah very much let, let's make it as easy as possible and you know as i said let, let's let's go to, get those technologies to be the norm that they're offering welsh as part of that offer where, where, wherever you are. I mean, there, there is no reason some of this stuff couldn't, couldn't be global. So for example, I was just really pleased at some point in the past few years that I went to a McDonald's in England and they mm. offered Welsh as a language for their online ordering screen. 
amazing. Well, well, why wouldn't you? Because they've they've put the effort to do that in Wales. So why would you not that then incorporate that into your sort of uh, um, online? Or, I'm doing a thing. Sorry, not very good. <laughs> very good. Not very good for radio. Um, if, if you if you put the effort to put the technology in in Wales to provide the um, you know the digital menu offering in Welsh, why wouldn't you then just use that in in other yeah. parts of the UK? Right. And that's the beauty of digital systems in particular. They're so highly extensible. You know, you can, something like, you know, language support, for example, can be super easily lifted and shifted across, you know, uh, across your ordering systems all over the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. On that point of digital systems, and um, you mentioned government websites, um, I know that the the government digital service has um, announced a, a plan to shift towards one login for Gov UK, um, that kind of centralization of services. Is this centralization of, of, of services across government websites, does that tie in to this kind of frictionless system of translation? Is the end goal down the line um, a system where someone could log onto a government website and through one system be able to access everything without as you're saying having to go down steps to have everything translated yeah i i, I think that's that's got to be the ambition so the one login for government um is a uk government project at the moment but we're yeah. working closely with them we're feeding into the thinking around that and one of the one of the things we have been pushing on is well if we if you because I mean, uk government deliver services in wales as well as as well as welsh government do um you, know, you need to make sure that one login for government ref reflects you know, bilingual services and bilingual service design from the start. So, so that, that's the sort of, in a sense, the outward facing bit of it, which is really important. But Rory, you're right in actually the end goal here. So we have this concept in Wales that you should that you should be able to give a language preference. And that's the preference. That's that's the language you want to do business with that organization in. Um, ideally, you know, if, if you've told government you want to want to work with them in Welsh, as you said, Rory, that, that should become the norm then for when you're accessing services. I think we've got a long way to go, um, but um, um, you know, we, as I said, we're engaging with the one login for government and trying to work out what it means for services in Wales. Um, but that has to be the ideal is that you, you, you know, your, your default language is Welsh and therefore you get offered those services in Welsh. We're also really keen, for example, for that to happen within the Microsoft environment itself as well. So if you you can establish yourself as a Welsh speaker through the Microsoft Active Directory, you, you get the, um, the the Welsh interface and, and everything else by default. At the moment, you have to then sort of go extra and install it and, and so mm. on. So, you know, I, I think that, yeah, that, that's definitely got to be the aim. Yeah, and that extends presumably to just the, the the small but impactful user experience tweaks, such as like in Word, for example, having the Welsh spell check dictionary automatically uh, downloaded and, and activated. Yeah, absolutely. And some of that does happen already. And a lot of that is because of the work we've done with Microsoft over the years to embed Welsh into you know some of their packs and and the you know as I said the Welsh language interface for Windows was something that we worked at Microsoft with quite a few years ago now and we're really pleased when it was launched. But yeah, you've still you've got to put the effort into make it as frictionless as possible, uh, and then it's ensuring the sort of big vendors are keeping up with. Um, when they're investing in new technology, that we don't have to go through this again. That it's a default that Welsh is a language that those sort of services and technologies are offered in. Um, and and from our point of view, 
you know, we want to highlight to them that if they want to do business in Wales, they have to provide those, you know, provide the technology options to support bilingual services because that's what public authorities in Wales need to have. So moving from the, the public to the private sector, because I know that you mentioned that maybe as an ambition in the future, the private sector can benefit from this as well. Is the idea that alongside um, the Welsh tech sector, so companies uh, operating from Wales, based within Wales, being able to benefit from this in-house, you're also looking at a benefit for big tech, shall we say, being able to have a frictionless experience with Welsh customers, with Welsh businesses. So it's a kind of a win-win in that in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously the functionality in Teams now is, you know, is available to, to anyone who's subscribing to the normal Microsoft Teams package. So it, it will be provided un, under the normal general license, which, which is great. So they don't have to invest extra in this functionality. Uh, right. So from that point of view, private sector will, will be able to benefit just as much as us. But yeah, more generally, you know, in, in our digital strategy and our Welsh Language Technology Action Plan, we're really keen to promote um, businesses thriving in Wales in, in digital sectors. Uh, and the more they do that, obviously, they will benefit from providing services in Wales. People in Wales will benefit from those organisations um, working from Wales, having good digital capability in Wales. Uh, it, it, as you sort of said, Rory, it will sort of feed off each other and, and uh, it's, it's a win-win. Those big vendors, I know they have they have a customer base and well, Welsh speakers are one of those customer bases. And my job and my colleagues in, in the Welsh language uh, technology team, uh, I'll name check Jer- Jeremy Evers and Gareth Morlice who do fantastic work on this. You know, our job is to make sure those vendors hear us and understand the requirements for Wales. And where there's a will from them to work with us, as we've shown with Amazon and Microsoft now, we're here to work with them. You know, we, we, mm. we, we, we know that they'll need some support to understand requirements. And I, I think we've demonstrated how keen we are to, to do that for the benefit of everyone. Mm. Where there's a will, there's a Wales, you might say. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so looking at your own use of technology then, how are you planning to expand on the use of digital tools within the Welsh government in the future? You mentioned during the pandemic, you made a big shift over to Teams to fuel that kind of more digitally transformed kind of flexible uh, and more agile way of working. Uh, are there any plans to kind of build on that with uh, more or deeper use of these kind of tools? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we, we will all have seen how um, we've just changed our ways of working in, in two and a half years. And, you know, m- a number of massive benefits in terms of collaboration and through using team channels and other collaboration channels, um, everybody working collectively on particular projects. Um, so yeah, we've had to do a lot of work um, over the past few months, obviously on the Ukraine crisis. Um, you mm. know, we, we're making really good uses of Teams channels there to, to work together and collaboratively and keep each other informed. One massive change we've seen is actually staff engagement with senior management because instead of instead of you know, doing a tour of Welsh government sites and getting a few people come to a particular meeting room that was you know, would never house the five and a half thousand people that work in Welsh government, <laughs> we're now able to run live events with our permanent secretary, ministers and senior managers talking directly to staff. And we regularly yeah. have you know, around half of our workforce logging into those things. And we see them from people survey results. The staff are feeling far more engaged than ever. They feel senior managers are far more visible than they ever were before. Uh, and they're just so 
easy to set up, aren't they? So, mm. you know, so, so many benefits. So, yeah, so the task I've been given is, right, how do we, how do we capitalize on that? How do we do better in the future? Um, so we're trying to invest in, in a digital team to really look at some of our, you know, we're a central government department. We still have clunky ways of working. That's you know, not a surprise. Um, so we, we, we want to do better. We want to provide our staff with you know, kind of business processes and, uh, and digital services that, that we're, we're trying to offer citizens out there that they get from their bank, as I said earlier, but that they mm. should be getting within Welsh government. So we want to really get to the bottom of you know, wh- where, where are we seeing inefficiencies? Where are we seeing um, the staff are having to fill in five forms to do something and to try and help automate, streamline that as, mu- as much as possible. Uh, so, yeah, so um, it, it's, um, it, it's just something that's part of our transformation plan for the, for the next few years and really excited. And the, actually, the feedback we get from staff is actually, you know, that there's loads of things you could do, but actually focus on the basics get, get, get your basic forms right get your basic hr processes to be better and more online help us collaborate externally mm-hmm. um so those those are the kind of priorities we'll have for the next three years and that focus on collaboration that you've that you've highlighted and basic employee services employees and uh contractors feeling seen within these channels just as you're enabling conversations through digital transformation, through translation, it feels like you're also enabling maybe transparency from the top down. Would you say that you've seen an increase in transparency as a result of the transformation as well? Um, yeah, definitely. As I said, the senior managers are more visible than ever. And just through the digital channels, that engagement now. So people feel, you know, if back in the old days, we'd be in a room and senior managers would would you know, say say their thing and some people would put their hands up and you know they'd probably get through two or three questions during the day now um you know we we, we can have the q a's we can have the live polls whatever it may be during during a, a live event which really just supports that engagement that collaboration uh, and also allows people to really you know um Put in, put in the the hard questions to, to us as senior managers uh, and and to really understand what's going on in the organisation and, and and wider. So yeah, de- definitely, I think has supported transparency as an organisation. Um, I, I should have also said, it, you know, very the heart of what we do in public service in Wales is actually collaboration. You know, it, it, it is our way of working. We we are a small country. We have 22 local authorities and seven health boards. So we've always said, well, you know, we could always all get in a room together to fix problems. And that's, that has been true, but it does still require people from North Wales and South Wales to get in a room together somehow. But actually, you know, collaboration, engagement with stakeholders, all of that has benefited from this new technology as well. And we will move back to face-to-face, but I don't think we'll ever now stop using virtual as a way of getting people together to collaborate to work together on those problems in a much much easier way than having to find a hotel room in mid wales that we can we can all (laughs) cram into um, and have three months notice of it so yeah that collaboration across the public services really benefited from this but i but i'd like to see how we can use digital technology to move that further to have you know common common digital platforms, common digital services, share technology, uh, as much as we can drive collaboration, integrated services, but also at the end of that cost efficiency so that we're doing things once and we're sharing components as as much as we can. So we've talked a lot about digital transformation 
in both the public and the private sector. How do you think this will impact the position of Wales as one of the UK's burgeoning tech hubs? Um, yeah, so whilst the focus of our digital strategy is on that public service aspect and providing system service, that's where we feel we wanted to really raise the bar. You know, part of one of our missions is about the digital economy, building thriving sectors in Wales, uh, and particular focus being on areas such as fintech and, and cyber, where mm. we have really got strong sectors already, uh, and you know, build, building on those. But yeah, re- really keen that through the digital strategy and through developing our use of technology, we help people. Uh, thrive within the Welsh economy. Um, we um, and you know, and that will help Wales as a sort of competitive within the UK, but globally. And just going back to the theme of today, particularly on that Welsh language aspect, you know, we we feel that through the work we've done with Microsoft through our Camry 2050 strategy, through our Welsh language te- technology action plan, that that's an area where we really want to continue leading the way in terms of globally pushing for bilingual technology. Well, I'm afraid that's it for this week's episode, but our thanks to the Welsh Government's Chief Digital Officer, Glyn Jones, for joining us. Thank you very much. And that's also it for me. It's been an absolute delight co-hosting the podcast for the last three years, and I'd like to thank each and every one of our listeners for tuning in and putting up with my rambling. I hope you'll continue to do so, and I'm sure that the podcast is going to be better than ever without me dragging it down. If you'd like to know more about what I'll be doing next, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Shepherd UK. But with that, I will hand over to Rory Bathgate, the IT Pro Podcast's official new host. Thanks, Adam. You're a tough act to follow, and it's been my pleasure to share these last few episodes with you. I know that listeners will want to join me in wishing you the best for your future endeavours, which I hope won't take you too far from the world of podcasting, which you've truly made your home. Thank you very much. You can find links to all of the topics we've spoken about today in the show notes. And don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to the IT Pro podcast wherever you find podcasts.